This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. I'm so happy to be here with you today. We started a new series last week, which is really a walk through uh, the book of Mark based on a book that I read. I'm stealing a whole bunch of stuff from a book called Jesus the King. So we're calling it Jesus the King. And I'd even encourage you to pick up uh, the book. If you find it on Amazon or wherever, you can read along. You can see kind of maybe some things we're pulling out of this book. And one thing that's really cool about this series as we walk through the book of Mark, as you can kind of follow along through the book of Mark. Oh, we're in chapter one. We're in chapter two. You can read along this week and your own personal study, your own personal devotion, and maybe you can kind of guess what's where are we going to go with? Where are we going to go this next week? And so last week, as we kicked off the series, we saw Mark introduce Jesus to us. And Mark is different than all the other uh, really gospels because he doesn't play around, right? He didn't do the, the, the narrative of the birth. He didn't tell us all the genealogies. He just immediately starts off and he's like, here's Jesus. He's the Christ. He's the King. He's God in the flesh. And that's, that's just where we just, we begin. And he just kind of goes right into it. And last week he showed us, uh, he taught us through the baptism of Jesus, this incredible idea of the Trinity and the relationship of God the Father with God the Son, with God the Holy Spirit. And he showed to us this loving, giving, nurturing, other-centered love that exists within the Trinity. And he showed us kind of how God lives in this way and how he invites us to come into that relationship, right? It was pretty cool to see. So this week, we're actually going to see, as we continue on, we're going to see Jesus talk for the very first time. Did anybody notice that we never heard Jesus talk last week? Yeah, we just saw Mark tell us about who Jesus is. Jesus is going to talk for the first time this week. And so as we kind of set the scene, and uh, we've got a lot we're going to cover today, so I'm just going to talk real fast. You just try to keep up, okay? You got it? All right. So I'm going to set the scene. Uh, John here, he gets arrested. And so uh, Jesus is going to, after John gets arrested for, by the way, calling out King Herod on a sin. So King Herod is involved in kind of some incest stuff going on. John's like sin. John the Baptist, sin. He gets thrown in jail and it's, it doesn't go very well, right? And so this picks up immediately after this. So John 1, 14 and 15, it says, and John was arrested. Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus starts off, says the kingdom of God is near. He's saying, you're no more waiting. Here I am, God in the flesh. The kingdom of God is coming to you. Then he tells us, repent, believe the good news. And it's, it's interesting he starts off that these are the first words we hear Jesus speak in the book of Mark. This idea, repent, which means Reverse course. It's this idea of turning away from something. You're going a certain path and it's repent, turn away. This idea, turn away from the path that you're headed on. And Jesus tells us, turn away from the path that you're headed on. Turn away from the sin that you're living in. Turn towards me. Follow me. Turn to the things that I love, that I like, that, that are of me. And so his first words, repent. Turn away from the direction that you're heading and turn and follow me. And then secondly, he says, believe the good news. The good news. What is this good news? It's interesting because when we repent, the reason why we repent is because we believe the good news. You say, this, this good news, literally also some, some translations translate it as gospel. Believe the gospel. 
But what this phrase, the good news, literally means is news that brings joy. News that brings joy. And it's not just any news. It's history-making news. It's life-changing news. It's, it's, it's news that will change your life forever. You ever had some, and, and not just change your life, but for the better forever. Anybody ever had good life-changing news? Come on, you can raise your hand. Don't be shy. Ever had good, like five of us in here? Okay, a few of us have had some good life changing. The rest of you guys are depressing, right? Like, I don't, this is not good. Your life is not very good, right? <laughs> I remember, I mean, I've had, I'm, I've been very blessed, right? There's been a lot of things in, that have happened in my life that have been good, life-changing, life-shaping news. I remember, of course, the one that stood out was when I found out I was going to be a dad, right? And I, I know that there's, like, now there's, like, Instagram ways and, like, all this stuff you put on Facebook and all these things you do to, like, tell people, like, in these really cool, unique ways, like, you're going to be a dad. You ever seen those videos where people, like, tell their that people are going to be, and it's, like, just cute and awesome. You know how Katie told me? The perfect way. The perfect way. I'm laying on the bed. I'm laying on my side like this, trying to give you a reenactment, scrolling through my phone, pregnancy test in between my phone. Huh. That's how I received life-changing news, right? But it was good news. It was gospel. It was news that brings joy that is going to change my life forever, right? News that's going to change my life forever. This word gospel, this good news, when we hear it today, we only think of it as in terms to Christ. But it wasn't a phrase that was only used to think of like God, Christ and God. It was, it was kind of a common phrase in the ancient world used to describe this kind of life-changing, world-changing news. Like an example of that would be when Greece was invaded by Persia. You guys remember like 300, all that kind of stuff, right? They get invaded by Persia. The Greeks win the battle. And after they win the battle, they send these men to proclaim to all the Greeks and to everybody that, hey, we've defeated the Persian. They called it, we're, gonna, we're sending good news. We're sending a gospel to you to let you know that we've defeated the Persians. And it's not just good news. It's good news that is going to change your status because now Greeks, you don't have to be afraid of the Persians. Now you're not going to be slaves. Now, you're, now you can be free. Now you don't have to worry about the Persians, right? It's something that we've done on your behalf that is going to change your life forever. That's why the angels say, good news of great joy. Today a Savior is born. Because the Savior came and the good news is something he's about to do that's going to change our lives forever. And the good news, the gospel of Christianity is that Christ has come and he's doing something for you. Nothing that you can earn, nothing that you can attain on your own. He has come. The good news of the gospel is he's come to do something for you that you can't do on your own that is going to change your life, change your status forever, right? Like as soon as my, like whenever Katie gave me that good news of, hey, you're going to be a dad, like my status was changed forever, wasn't it? Now I'm not just Mike, husband, I'm father. My status, whether I want, my status was changed, right? Now whether I was going to be deadbeat dad, good dad, bad, right? That was up to me, but now I was father. My status was changed forever. And so this is how Jesus starts off Mark. The kingdom is coming to you. Repent. Believe this good news that I have for you. And then we see as he begins to pick out some disciples, he begins to pick out some people who are going to follow him. And let's read it, Mark 1, 16 through 20. It says, as he passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea. And they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. 
Immediately they left their nets and followed him, going on a little further. He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their nets in order. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired men and followed him. So Jesus is walking around. He's selecting, selecting disciples who he's going to call to follow him. And you notice there's no prerequisites. There's no, like, do you have a college degree? There's no, like, anybody, like, tried to search for a job recently is, like, you must have a college degree and a master's degree, and it's an entry-level job, but you must have 35 years of experience, right? Like, none of that. None of that. Like, if you've looked for a job recently, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? None of that. Like, how am I supposed to do that, right? right? That's why we start a church, and you can just do what we want, right? right? Just kidding. But no prerequisites, no college degree, no interviewing process. Jesus just simply says, hey, you, follow me. And probably the craziest thing of all, they do, right? But what's cool about that, you talk about the job opportunity of a lifetime. How cool is this? Like, this is, this is amazing. But as Jesus calls these men to follow him, he also gives them some tough choices that may, they must make, Right? Because, yes, there's no job interview. Yes, there's no, like, Jesus says, just follow me, and they just got to make a choice. Yeah, I'm going to follow him. But if they're going to follow him, they also have to leave some things behind, don't they? Like, I don't think it's a mistake that Mark points out that they left their father Zebedee in the boat. When he's saying they have to, they're going to follow Jesus, they're going to have to leave some things behind. He's going to have to leave his family behind. It's going to foreshadowing a few of some things, right? And in our culture, as we read that, we may not even notice that. Right? Like, yeah, they left the dad behind the school. But in this time, in the ancient world, they're going to pay attention to this because family is a huge deal. right? Family is an incredibly big part of their culture. And so they're going to notice, oh, he's leaving his family behind to go follow this, this Jesus character, right? And, and again, in our culture, we might not notice because if somebody was like, hey, follow me, but you got to leave your family behind, we might be like, deal, right? Like, Right? Look at the royal family right now, right? Amen. Right? Like, you might you might want to leave your family. You know, I wasn't gonna come, but since you said I gotta leave my family, now I'm gonna come, right? Right? But if Jesus said, follow me, but you gotta leave your job behind, whoa, Jesus, easy. Right? Follow me, but you gotta, what do you say to the rich young ruler? Follow me, leave your riches behind. Whoa. Easy, Jesus. Why is Mark pointing this out? Why is he dropping these breadcrumbs? Why does he? Because the point is that if we're going to follow Jesus, it's not that he's going to tell us, leave everything behind, but he wants from the beginning, he wants to be the priority of our life. He wants everything else to come second. Check out the way he says it in Luke's gospel. This is like, this is pretty intense. Look at this. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, even himself, right? What? He cannot be my disciple. We read that and we're like, that is crazy talk, Jesus. Anybody else? Can we be honest? And we're like, no, it's the, it's the gospel, Mike. You can't say that, right? It's the Bible. You can't say it. That. That's crazy talk. Right? You gotta hate your mom, dad, brothers, and your and yourself. And this is coming from a guy who tells us to love our enemies. Right? This is coming from a guy who we're gonna read on later. It's like, hey, don't just love your enemies, do good for your enemies, bless your enemies, pray for your enemies, but hate yourself, hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your brother. Is anybody else confused by that? I'm hoping you can explain it to me because I'm confused. I'm just kidding. All right. All right. 
The idea here isn't that we would actively hate them, but that we would hate them by comparison. Does that make sense? That we would hate. Let me let me give you a really uh, um, uh, very Christian spiritual example of this. So lately, we've been working on my office in the backyard, which I'm really excited about. It's coming along really well, which means a lot of trips to Lowe's. Do you guys know what the best thing about going to Lowe's is? The hot dog man. Come on. Can I get an amen? The hot dog man. I love the hot dog man. Like, a matter of fact, I was, Corey and I, Corey's laughing at me back there because he's been on these trips with me. There's been time, like, like my son Gideon, he thinks the point of Lowe's is the hot dog man. We will literally, this is not, this is 100% of the truth. There's times he's asked me, Dad, can we go to Lowe's and get a hot dog? He just thinks that's where hot dogs are at, right? There's been times I've broken things at the house so that I can go to Lowe's and get a hot dog, okay? Nothing big, just little things, right? right? Honest truth, I have gotten a hot dog going in Lowe's, eaten it, and gotten a hot dog coming out of Lowe's, okay? Like, we're on a, I'm on a first-name basis with the hot dog man, right? Like, we know each other, right? I love hot dogs from Lowe's. They're just the best, right? Now, do I like hot dogs at the house? Yeah. I mean, you can make a hot dog at the house. You can make a pretty good hot dog at the house. It's not, it's not too bad. But compared to a Lowe's hot dog cart hot dog, that thing is trash, right? You throw it in the garbage where it belongs, right? Next to, now, no, I don't mind. They're good. They can be okay. Next to the Lowe's, garbage. Hate by comparison. <laughs> through this very biblical example. You guys understand that a little bit better, right? Yeah. This is, this is it. This is it. He's saying, compared to how much you love me, compared to how much you follow me, compared to how much you trust me, I want everything else to look like hate. Compared to me, I want to be that priority. I want to be king I want to be boss. I want, I want to say, leave the family, and it's no problem. I want to say, leave the job, and it's no problem. I want to say, leave the money, and it's no problem. Why? Because everything else is hate compared to me. Does that mean that they're not good things? Does that mean that you can't like them, enjoy them? It's not, it's not that. It's just that compared to whatever, Jesus, you can have it all, right? And, and this is important, and, and I want to, this is kind of a hard truth, but it's important because a lot of times what myself, and sometimes we as Christians can do, is we go, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I'll follow you as long as you make my career thrive, then I'm all in. Or, hey, as long as you give me the, the kid, or as long as you give me the this, or as long as you give me that, then I'm, I'm all in. As long, I'll follow you, Jesus, as long as blank. But when we do that, what we're actually doing is just simply making Jesus a means to an end, not the king of our life. You understand? And, and it's not that we're following him out of our love for him. What we're following him for is, a, is for our own self-interest and our own gain out of what we can get from Jesus. It's not about him. It's about the stuff. And this is a really weird comparison, okay? My, my illustrations are off the wall today. I'm sorry. But have you ever looked on the news or something and you've seen like some young 20-year-old girl and she marries like this 99-year-old man who's a multimillionaire? What's the first thing you think there? Man, she must really love him. <laughs> what do you think? She's in it for the money, right? She wants a sugar daddy, right? She wants somebody to pay her bills and when he dies, she gets that millions of dollars, right? Y'all are looking at me funny, but you know I'm talking the truth, right? 
She's not marrying that guy because she loves him. Now, I'm not, ju- I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying what we think. Maybe she does love him. I don't know, right? Maybe she does. She doesn't, right? <laughs> and this has probably never been said in a church before. Don't put this on Facebook. Jesus is not your sugar daddy. Y'all are afraid to laugh right there, aren't you? It's not about the stuff with him. Now, it doesn't mean that he's not going to bless us with good things. It doesn't mean that he's going to give us good things. But Jesus doesn't want us to follow him because of what he can give us or what he can do for us. He wants to follow. He wants us to follow him because we want him. Because he is our master. He is our king. And Jesus is going to tell us, look, I'm not going to be used. I'm not a means to an end. In the end, you follow me because you love me. Because I want to be, I want to be the goal of your life. And you're going, but Mike, those are good things that I want from Jesus. What's wrong with that? It's, I, I want good things. Like, it's, it's, there's nothing, they're not sinful things. It's they're okay things. And, and it's not that it's wrong for us to want blessings from God or to want God is going to give you blessings. He's going to do good things in your life, but they can't be the goal. They can't be the goal. And here's the reason why. Because if those things are the goal, then they will never, ever, ever fulfill you. And if that's all we're seeking from Jesus, then it will never be enough. Let me, let me tell you a really good example of this. Let's look at Mark chapter 2. There's a story, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you the story. You can read it up here. It's Mark 2, 1 through 5. I'm just going to tell you my translation of it, right? So at this point, when we've reached this, we've skipped ahead a few verses, right? At this point, Jesus has already healed some people. He's healed, healed a leper. Um, he's cast out some demons from some people. He's, so Jesus is starting to get, there's a little bit of buzz about Jesus. There's people starting to know who he is. And so he begins to, he's teaching and he's preaching at this house. And as he's preaching at this house, people start to come. And the place fills up and the place gets packed out. And like suddenly there's no way to get in and there's no room. You're trying to elbow your way in and you can't. And the wind, you can't even see in the window because there's people blocking the windows and the doors. And there's, there's just, it's, it's crazy because all these people want to get in and hear about Jesus. They want to hear what he has to say. They want to see him do another miracle. And, and there's this guy who's paralyzed. And he's heard about Jesus, and he's heard the stories of his healing, and he's heard the stories of the miracles, and he has some really, really good friends. I want friends like this. He has some really, really good friends, and he tells them, if you guys can get me to that Jesus guy, I think he can heal my body. If you guys can get me to that, I think he can fix my legs. I think he can make me walk again. And so they come, they come up to the house, and that thing is packed out. There's no way to get in. Everything's blocked off. So they come up with a great idea. I don't know who said it first or who's, like, who's the out-of-the-box thinker that came up with this, but he's like, let's cut a hole in the roof. What a weird way to go with that, right? <laughs> like, like if that's your thought, here's an idea, cut a hole in the roof. Which, by the way, this would be awesome if people want, man, people were just trying to get to the river church. I want to hear the gospel. I want to hear about Jesus. And we're packing up, and all of a sudden we see somebody sawing a hole in the roof because they want to come in and hear about Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Maybe not for the school, but for us, that would be pretty cool, right? But anyways, they, they get their friend to Jesus. They come in. They drop him down through the roof. Jesus looks at him and does this amazing thing. He goes, son, your sins are forgiven. And that guy is going, what? My sins? I want to walk. 
Jesus, make these things move, right? Make a move. I want to walk. I didn't come here so you could tell me about my sin. I came here because I wanted to walk. I wanted you to change my situation, Jesus. And Jesus is about to change his situation, isn't he? Because Jesus knows something that this guy doesn't know. Jesus knows that he has a much bigger problem than his legs. Jesus looks at him and he says, I see your condition. I see this thing causing you trouble, but you have a bigger problem than this. Your sin. You're a slave. You're in chains. And the worst part about it is you don't even know. Because what this man's thinking is, if I can get to Jesus and he can fix this, my legs, if he can change my outside situation, if he can do something about my worldly situation, my outside situation, then I'll be happy. I can be free. I'll, I can walk and everything in my life will be fixed and everything in my life will be rosy and everything in my life will be great. And some of you are going, poor fool. But man, aren't we that fool a lot of times? He's saying, by coming to me and asking for only for your body to be healed, son, you're not going deep enough. You don't understand the true depth of your pain. You don't understand the true depth of your change. You don't understand the true depth of how lost you are. And here's the truth is that everyone who's paralyzed would love to walk again, right? Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. I mean, I've had, y'all have heard me complain about this all the time. I have back problems sometimes and I can't, I'm like hunched over. I can't walk, can't move around, right? Like it hurts. I want that fixed. I want that change. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's okay. And that's exactly what this man is thinking. Like, hey, if I, could, if I could walk, I'd be happy. It's not a bad request. But Jesus knows if all he does is heal the body, he may think he's, he'll be happy. He may think he'll be healed. He may think he'll be fixed. But two months, four months, a year from now, you'll be going, why am I so miserable? Jesus' point is that there are things in you, son, daughter. There is sin. There is hurt. There are scars. On and on and on. There's things deep in us that keep us from joy. Things that are hidden way down deep. And what we do is we look at the outside, our situation, and we go, if, if I can get X, then I can be happy. If I get Y, then I can be happy. If this can just be changed or different, I'll be happy. And sometimes we get those things, and then we go, why am I still not happy because we never go deep enough we never let Jesus get to the root cause of our unhappiness the root cause of our pain the root cause of our suffering I've been a pastor for a while right before 14 years they're like man you look so young I know I know it's a gift good genes <laughs> And I've seen, like, just over the years and different places I've been, I've seen there's patterns that happen. And, and, and it's an interesting pattern. And, and what you see a lot of times is you'll see people in the church or around the church or just whatever you come in contact with, and, and, and they come to Jesus, and they go, Jesus, I want you to fix X. It, whether, whether it's 
a, a financial situation or a relationship situation or, or something that they need. And they go, Jesus, I want you to, to fix X. And, and then they come and they, and, and again, like the, the paralyzed man requesting that he could walk again, that, that's not a bad request. Like, God, I want a good marriage or I want good finances or I want good relationships. Like, like those are good things. And, and I believe Jesus uses the church to help heal marriages and fix finances and bring relationships back together, like, like to, to build up these things. Like, that's part of the purpose of the church. Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's part of it. But that is not, it's not the only purpose. It's not the purpose. So I'm not knocking that. Those are good things. Those are good requests. There's times I come in and I'm like, Jesus, I need X from you. I need you to do this for me, Jesus. That's good, right? But the tragedy sometimes occurs. And what I've seen happen sometimes, what I want to warn us about, is sometimes we come and go, Jesus, I need you to fix X. And then he does it or he, and, and things get better or he doesn't do it and, and wh- whatever. And, but eventually things change. <laughs> and then they kind of slowly just drift away. Why? Because Jesus wasn't the thing. He was a means to an end. They didn't let Jesus get in and do the real deep soul healing transformation. And then what I see happen is a year later or two years later or five years, whatever, the problem arrives again or something different happens and they go, well, it's time to go back to Jesus and get him to fix that thing again. And then there's this cycle that happens over and over and over. And they're left wondering, why can't I find peace? Why can't I find joy? Why can't I, why? And Jesus is saying, it's because I want so much more for you than that thing that you think you need. And just like the paralyzed man, he says, I'm not going to just heal your body. I want to hear something deep within you. So he says, go all in, follow me with all that you are. And what's ironic is in this situation, there's these, these, uh, these Pharisees there, these religious leaders, and they're upset with Jesus for saying, I can forgive sins. And like, you can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus goes, yeah, you're right. Which do you think is harder, forgive sins or make somebody walk? And in their brain, they're going, well, probably to make somebody walk. So he goes, get up. Whoa. Whoa. What I want you to see here this morning, River Church, is that Jesus had the power to heal the man's body the whole time. Just like he has the ability to give you the job or to fix the relationship or provide the fine or whatever that thing is that you're asking for today, he has the power to give it to you on the spot. But what he knows for you is that if it only stays there, if it never goes deeper than the surface, then the healing will never be deep enough. Amen? Because what he wants to do for you is he wants to go deep. You know, earlier in Mark, there is a man with leprosy who comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you're willing, will you heal me? And, and, and what's funny is he didn't, he didn't say, Jesus, if you're able, will you heal me? He says, if you're willing, you can heal me. It wasn't a question of Jesus' ability. And what he says is, I am willing. So today, whether you're the paralyzed man or you're somebody looking for the job, whatever your situation is, I I want you to know that Jesus can do it for you on the spot. He can do it. But he wants something deeper than that for you as well. The 
this is where Jesus comes in. He says, I bring you good news, news that could change your life forever, news that could change your situation forever. I want you to repent. I want you to turn away from the path. I want you to follow me with all that you are. I want to be the king. I want to be the Lord. I want to be the, 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 the priority of your life. And if you come and you follow, then I will heal. Some of us in this place today, we need Jesus to heal. And I would say all of us, to be honest, me included, need Jesus to heal something in us. But we've got to go past the surface stuff. And that stuff's okay, right? It's okay. It's good to add. Like, it's good. Jesus makes him walk, doesn't he? But he wants more for you than just to be able to walk. He wants to heal your soul. So this morning, the band's going to play. And I want to encourage you as we sing. And we'll have communion down here. You come take communion. Remember what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And I want you to remember this. The kingdom is coming to you. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's come. The kingdom has come to you. Why? Good news that will change your life forever. Follow. And so as we sing, I want you to pray and I want you to talk down. I want you to say, Jesus, what is it that you want to do in me? Tell the, the surgeon to go to work. Say the deep places of my soul, the deep places of my heart, the pain, the bitterness, the scars, the whatever it is, the whatever it is. Jesus, I open myself to you. I'm all in. You are the priority. Go to work in me because I want to be healed. Unless the great physician go to work today. Amen. All right, let me pray for us. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. God, I thank you that you're a God who says, I want to go deeper. God, I thank you that you heal the paralytic. Praise God for that. Thank you that you heal things on the surface like that, Lord. We praise you for that. But Lord, I pray today that you would go deeper in this room, God. And I, I pray that as people are thinking and we're pondering these, these things in us, Lord, God, even as people are bringing to their minds right now, I pray that you would heal the situation. I pray that you would move, God. I pray that you would cut deep and change lives, God. Lord, we love you. We need you, God. Move in this space today, God. Be the King of kings and the Lord of lords in this place today. Heal the broken, myself included, God. In Christ's name, amen.